Well, those very powerful images, aren't they? How many were stirred by that powerful image of that man just being drawn away, lost for eternity? And uh, we'll play that again because I think we need to see it a few times, get it in us. Amen? We need to just get these visual images in us. They stir us with a heart for the lost. Okay, I wonder if you could open your Bible with me in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. And we've been just uh, looking at a, a, a series on dreams, desires, dreams, and destiny. We're looking at having direction, having a plan, having some kind of focus for our life. And last week uh, I looked at and, and just talking about dream thieves, things which steal your dreams, steal your hopes, steal your aspirations, steal away your life. And the last one we looked at, that's the very first one in that part of the series, was the whole area of an undeveloped character. When we fail to grow our character, there's no way we'll ever enter into the dreams God has for us. We looked at the issue of dreams and talked about two different kinds of dreams. We talked about dreams which were what I just call personal dreams. Dream of having a cruise, having a house, new house, shifting out to Havelock, shifting to a house by the beach, having a boat. Uh, or some kind of thing like that, uh, new job, uh, making money, have all kinds of dreams like that. Most of those dreams are concerned with our personal fulfillment and uh, they require something of us. They don't just come into being. And then we looked at God-given dreams and the things about a God-given dream are several characteristics. One is it's always concerned about the kingdom of God advancing. Always concerned with the kingdom of God advancing. It's always concerned with people hearing the gospel and coming to Christ. And it always requires God's ability coming into our life to make it come about. And many times in the Bible, God will match up a personal dream with his dream. So they interlock with one another. I'll just give you a couple of examples before I move on. Uh, for example, Hannah had a desperate passion for a child yet she was barren. There was a huge delay she experienced and apparently nothing. And in the process of that delay, there came a deep, deep cry, a deep brokenness in her heart. She surrendered her life to the Lord and God had a need for a prophet in the nation. So her need was for a son. She was being mocked and belittled by, her, by the other wife, Elkanah, and continually humiliated because she had no child. She was barren. But God had a need in the nation for a prophet. And so God's need intersected with her need and she broke through to a place of surrender and the child that was born to her was surrendered to the Lord. She got a son, God got a prophet, and the nation prospered. That's how God dreams and natural dreams intersect. Think about it. There's many examples in the Bible. Abraham had a desire for a son. He wanted a son, he wanted an heir, he wanted a legacy. God wanted to raise up a nation of people that would uh, bring forth his son, Jesus Christ. And so Abraham went through a long season of delay and there was a tremendous grief, but then God gave him a promise. And in the end, God's promise and Abraham's desire linked together. Abraham got the son of promise and God got a son of promise, a nation through which uh, he will bring his purposes into the earth. Now you can just go through this many, many different times in the Bible, how a personal dream and God's dream can intersect. So some dreams are just personal. They're just about our being fulfilled, having a nice life, having great experiences, enjoying our life. And they're great. They're wonderful. Why not enjoy those things? But there is a higher core. We must live with eternity in mind. So there is a different kind of dream. And that always involves God. It always involves advancing his kingdom. And where possible, our personal dreams should intersect with God's 
And sometimes he calls us to lay down personal dreams so that we can intersect with his purpose for our life. So that's how these things come together. Now, last week we just saw about dreams, how dreams can actually be lost and stolen. I want to look at two other dream killers today and just what to do about them. They're, they're very common. And uh, so here we find the first one. I want to look at two dream killers here. The first one is delay and the second one is disappointment. Now notice these are external but the response we make is internal and in the end it's not the delay that causes the problem it's what goes on in us it's not the disappointment that causes the problem it's what goes on and how we process it so all of us have experienced delays and all of us have experienced disappointments it's part of living life it's what you do with them makes the difference between whether you come into the God-given dream or whether you don't so let's have a look at here. In this verse uh, uh, 12 of Proverbs chapter 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you have a dream, an expectation, something you're looking forward to, and it's continually delayed, put off, doesn't happen, your heart grows sick. That means to be weak or in grief. And when our heart is in grief, it affects all of our life. It affects your motivation. You get a child and a father promises the child you have some time together or take him to, a, take him to play ball or go and watch his match and the father repeatedly just doesn't turn up or doesn't make it and the dream or hope the child has is delayed. Finally in the end there's a sadness comes into the child's heart. They lose hope it'll ever happen. They accept dad's excuses but their heart shuts down and dies a little and a part of their dream about time with their dad relationship with their dad begins to die. Now this is what happened. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So whenever we have a dream and then it's delayed for a whole number of reasons, and I'll look at some of those reasons in a moment, whenever it's delayed, we begin to begin to wonder about what our life could have been like. Sometimes in marriage when things don't work out and the marriage you dreamed of isn't taken away, you wonder what could have been if you'd done something different. That's what people do. And when you go down that route, you'll end up in deep trouble. You actually have to stay with the dream and persevere with the dream. So a delay in accomplishing a dream can lead to the heart being full of grief and disappointment and then withdrawing and giving up and resigning itself. This dream will never take place. And this is very, very common. So the heart grows sick. So delay causes people to become discouraged. We start to doubt the dream. If you've got a God-given dream and God's put something in your heart and then for some reason it delays. Now the Bible's full of dreams being delayed. I wish God wouldn't delay dreams. I don't like dreams being delayed and put off. In fact, I get disappointed. I tend to like it to happen now. You know, there's a sort of a saying, there was a song, remember that song that came out a while ago? I want it all and I want it now. And that's kind of the spirit of the age, isn't it really? I want it all and I want it now. And the whole of the, the marketing culture, is all, it all is wired up to you want it all, you need it all, and you need it now, and we can help you. No deposit, no interest, no repayments for 36 months. Then you'll be paying for the rest of your life. Long after the dream has faded, that object you bought is now marked and old and tatty and no longer an object of desire, you will be slugging away paying for that dream that you got impatient about. If you have a think about it, the world is in trouble now because of that very process. God's way is always pay the price up front and then get the benefits. 
The world's way is always, you can have it now, don't worry. Come on, sign up, man. Sign up, man. It's only, two, it's only $20 a week. It'll be no problem. You can handle that. And so you get sucked in, and before you know it, the $20 a week, the $1,000 item turned into a $2,000 item, and you didn't even notice. This is what goes on, of course, isn't it? We all know that. So, dreams delay. Now, here's the thing, that when people have their dream delay, they get, they get discouraged. In other words, lose courage to stay the course. Israel, when it got very difficult and very hard, and Numbers 21 verse 4, it says, their heart became discouraged because they experienced difficulties and delays. What they wanted to get didn't come. And when we get discouraged, it always comes out your mouth. What's in your heart will come out your mouth. Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. And when discouragement is there, you will complain and become quite negative. You'll hear it out of your own voice. So recognize it's just a delay. And I'll talk a little bit about what to do about your delays. The second one, which is the, the one that I want to push on, is the one where people get impatient. Where they get impatient. Now, young people get incredibly impatient. But we have a whole generation that is very, very impatient. It just wants it now. And the world is wired to give it to you now. So you have instant coffee, instant access, instant messaging, and uh, we can't not be without the phone. We can't be without the instant messaging. I've got to talk now. I know I'm talking to you and we had an appointment to talk, but I've also got to talk now because someone's putting a demand on me. So there's a whole culture has built in, this, in the society we're in now, which wants things now and becomes impatient if it doesn't get it now and won't do what needs to be done. Here's a good example in Genesis chapter 16. Let's have a look at this example. In case you don't think godly men get impatient, have a look at this one. Genesis chapter 16. Abraham is the father of our faith. So he's a really godly person. You know, he's the father of our faith. If you're a man of faith, he's the great example, the great leader in faith. Now, verse 1, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now, that was a very sad thing, that he, he had a promise from God that he would get children. God promised I would have children, but it says he had no children. And that went on for years. It went on for year after year after year. And the problem is when it goes on for years, and you're getting older, you start to lose passion and desire. And almost you think, well, this is not, maybe this is never going to happen. And so time went on. And so Sarah came up with a, an idea. She had a maid called Hagar. She said, now the Lord, notice now, she is blaming the delay on God. And she said, now the Lord has delayed me from having a child, but this doesn't mean to say your promise shouldn't come about. Why don't you have a child by my maid? And he listened to his wife's voice. Now most times it's good to listen to your wife's voice. This was not a good time to be listening to what she had to say. She's proposing that he has relation, sexual relationships with someone else so they can get the child. It, get what the thing is. There's a passionate desire for a dream. It's a God-given dream, a God-promised dream, but circumstances seem to be working against it. Time is running out. And he just got impatient. When you get impatient, you try and make it happen yourself. You kind of think, God needs a help to get this to work. I need to help God out in this matter. And so what Sarah and Abraham did is they, would, they helped God out in the matter of getting the extra child. And of course what happened is the moment she got pregnant, Hagar began to despise Sarah. There was a conflict came in the home. And now Abraham, who was having this great idea of having sex with the maid and having another baby, and she gets pregnant and get ready to have the baby, now he's got turmoil in his home. 
His wife is extremely unhappy. His maid is uh, getting pretty proud and, and uh, putting her down with her comments. And so in the end, there's this major, such a major conflict, get this, that Sarah drives the maid out. And so later on, the angel Lord appears to, the, the, to Hagar and says, now get this, you are with child, verse 11, you'll bear a son, you call his name Ishmael, because the Lord heard your affliction. He will be, now get this, this is what happens when we help God out. Now remember, every time you turn on the news and you look at the Middle East and you see Arabs fighting, you see people fighting one another and you see the conflict around Israel and you see uh, all the kind of stuff that's going on, just remember this, all of that was because one man was impatient. And so he helped God out. So he said, this, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. Every man's hand against him and he dwell in the midst of his brethren. Be a wild man or like a wild ass. In, in, uh, in Pakistan, they call it donkey brain because they just get such fixed mindsets. And so Abraham had this great idea, I'll help God out, I know. Well, you know, you need to do something to fulfill this dream and I've got to help God out and it's not working through my wife. I've got to have another plan. So he abandons plan A, now he's got plan B. Now he's got a huge mess and he still has to wait. He waited until he was 100, I think, somewhere around about that, and, uh, and she was in her 90s, until all hope of having a child had gone, and then God came through. Isn't that amazing? God came through. He always said he'd come through. He did come through. The problem is, in the time between him saying it and him coming through, we wonder what the earth God is up to and whether he really knows what he's doing and will help him out a little. And we come up with all these Ishmaels, I think in business, people come up with lots of Ishmaels. They cost you a lot of money. They're wild. They cause contention and problems. And people have all kinds of Ishmaels in their life. If you get involved in Christian ministry of various kinds, well, then Ishmaels abound. Everyone had this good idea. And over the years, I've seen wonderful good ideas. People are going to set up this thing. Oh, my goodness me. And the, the mess that these good ideas created, absolutely horrendous. So, anyway, so there's a good idea. So, here's another one. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Here's another guy. Now, remember, this is not, this is Abraham. This is the father of faith. Here's another guy. Here's another guy. 1 Samuel chapter 13. And here's another guy, and this guy was a king. Now, Abraham created a huge problem. He still had to wait. In the end, God gave him the promise, and he grew in his faith and remained steadfast, so steadfast that God could be relied on that when God said, offer your son, he didn't flinch because he said, even if I offer him, God's got to figure out a way to get him back because God said, this is the son through which I'll have a nation. So he had a promise before he had the son, and when he gave up his son, he still had the promise. That's why he was able to go and offer up his son in the way he did. Now, have a look at this one here. Here's a guy called Saul. Now, Saul is a man who's come into a place of leadership very quickly. Got, he's very tall. He looks good. Got a very attractive, highly gifted man. And, but he has a word from God. And here it is. We read 1 Samuel chapter 13. Now, it says, The Philistines, verse 5, gathered to fight against Israel. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, people like the sand of the seashore came up in a multitude and camped against them. They camped in the place Michmash in the east of Bethaven. And when the men of Israel saw they were in danger, because they got upset and they hid in caves and thickets and rocks, holes and pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Stahl, he was still at Gilgal. All the people followed him trembling. 
And he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come. And the people were scattered from him. So he bought a burnt offering, peace offerings, and said, I'm going to offer them. And as soon as he did it, Samuel came. Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him, and Samuel said, what have you done? So I saw the people scattered. You didn't come in the time appointed. The Philistines gathered against me. So I felt compelled to offer an offering. Now here it is, test of impatience. Now you notice uh, Saul has been given a word. Here's the word. I want you to wait at this place. I will come, and you will have further direction. And so he waits. Now in the period of waiting, seven days, which is a perfect number, a complete time of testing, what happens is this, is multitudes of Philistines came against him. Thousands upon thousands, or putting it in Mon's language, the problems he was facing multiplied. It just became overwhelming. So what he was looking at was multitudes of enemies. Now the second thing that happened was the supporters around him were losing heart. They were getting afraid, they were intimidated, they were fearful, and the moment he turned his back, they slipped off out and ran away. So while he's watching daily, the problems are increasing. The second thing is daily, his resources are diminishing, and God hasn't come in spite of the fact saying, wait seven days and I'll come, you notice it wasn't just on the seventh day, it was late in the seventh day that he freaked out, and then he became impatient and forced himself. And so putting it in a modern context, very simple, problems are increasing pressure, could be financial pressure, marriage pressure, family pressure, work pressures, pressure is increasing around your life, your resources are diminishing, your ability to deal with it day by day is getting smaller and smaller and smaller until you wonder it's about to overwhelm you and God, God, won't answer. You've all been in that place. We've all been there. And in that place, what is tested is whether you can handle delays. Now there is a reason for delays. I'll show you exactly what it is in a moment. And there's a part of God's planning for your character development and your life that always involves an aspect of delay. That's why the spirit of the age, which wants it all now, can never build godly men. Godly men have to learn how to handle delay. You, in fact, actually, even as a simple principle in life, say, for example, in finances, if you will learn to manage your money carefully now and put off buying until later, if you put off gratification, you will succeed financially. Most people don't succeed because they want it now, they want to feel good now, and so they make actions and decisions that get them into a mess now, so they feel good now, and then tomorrow they feel worse because the new problems come up. So in God, it's always there's this issue of being patient. Now, impatience is the inability to endure steadfast until God's timing. It's the inability to endure steadfastly until God comes through. Here's a time. 1 Peter 5 verse 6, it says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Notice that humble yourself. So this is something you have to do. Humbling yourself has to do with trusting God, with doing what God's calling you to do. And then in due time, He exalts you. So I found that in life, God can lift you up, God can promote you, but there's always a due time, a kairos an appointed time by God. Now, you can't hurry God's appointed time. In the book of Acts, Jesus spoke expressly, wait until the power of God comes on you. The, uh, I'm going to give the promise of the Father. You're going to be filled with power of the Holy Ghost. He told that to at least 500 people. But when the day of Pentecost came, there was only 120 there. 
The 500 had quit on the way. The 10-day delay was all it took to cause the majority and nearly uh, four-fifths of the whole group to disappear. So instead there being 500 and more, there was only 120 on that upper room on that day. Delay always has a way of, of pressuring us. So there's a due time. Now, you can't hurry God's timing for things. Harvest time will come. If you sow, there will be a harvest. You just can't hurry the harvest. You know, and one guy was telling me, he said, you know, he started to plant, uh, plant, plant some kind of uh, vegetables in the garden. And uh, he was kind of wanted to see how they were getting on. So he kept digging them up. They'd look where they're going and put them back in the ground. And, and uh, just did. then he'd go back a few days later and dig them up to see how they were. They're not doing too badly. But uh, he found they were potatoes. He found after a while, when the, finally the time of harvest came, he found at the end of the harvest came, there was almost nothing there to show for all his labor and all his work. And when his wife said, I can't believe that this didn't work out, what on earth went wrong? He admitted to her, when he dug him up, they'd check on him, see how they'll do it. He said, well, you can't dig stuff up. You've got to just sow it, plant it, wait, the due time will come. There is a time of harvest, you can't do that. So, you notice, I want you to read with me in uh, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. So the answer to delays is very simple. It's found in two words, and two words that a lot of people struggle with, and the words are faith and patience. Faith and patience. Hebrews chapter 6, look at this. It tells us, don't be slothful. Rather, here it is, Hebrews 6 verse 12. Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it tells us two things. It says, don't be sluggish. That word means lazy, inactive, it actually also, thank you, refers to someone who's a little bit thick, not thinking right. They're a little bit slow on the uptake. So it's saying, don't be slow on the uptake. Don't be a slow learner. Don't be a lazy person. But understand this, that it is through faith and patience, through. In other words, the vehicle that the promises of God come are faith and patience. The way God's promises come are faith and patience. That's how things get to you. Faith and patience. Well, we'd like the faith bit, but the patience bit's the hard bit. See, faith and patience. See, so patience means a constant, steady, confident advance. You remain confident and you continue to do what you need to do. Patience is never passive. Biblical patience isn't, well, I wait around until something happens. A lot of Christians wait until something happens. This is a problem. We're never to wait until something happens. We must persevere doing the thing God wants us to do until something happens. So it's never, never passive. You notice it says, be an imitator of men of faith. So if you study the lives of men of faith, you'll see something really common in all of them, no matter who they are. They had faith, they trusted God, and their faith in God turned into steadfast doing what God told them to do and not quitting until the promise came. Even if there were delays, you've got your part to play. You, may, you know, think about a pregnancy. Pregnancy, you go through and you've got the idea, you've got the seeds in there and it's all great and all exciting, great news, but then you wait, nothing seems to happen. It looks like nothing's happening whatsoever. And then there comes a period, you just don't sort of get pregnant and then have the baby. There's this period where everything begins to change. And I watched my daughter. She was so very, very happy during the pregnancy. She was very, very happy. And she was one who was very conscious of her appearance and, and whatever. But during the pregnancy, she loved the pregnancy. And she was just happy. She would watch how big it comes. She says, oh, now I'm spreading out like this. Now, when 
When God puts something in your, inside you, you have to grow and change and expand to be able to handle what God wants to bring through you. And then when the time comes, then you go through pain and turmoil and distress and, and you can't wait to get it all over. And then there's the baby and you've forgotten all about stretch and grow, stretch and grow. It's now, how can I contract and stop this thing, you know, and, and shut right down on the inside again. So this one, now, so patience is never passive. You don't just wait around for something to happen. All the time a baby's growing, just there's, the, there's a nurture going on. A smart parent will be speaking into the child, making sure they're rested, providing, they actually focus on providing an environment that's really good for the child. So when the child comes out, it comes out with a great start. So it's the same in our lives with the promises of God. When we have promises of God, you've got to stick with it, believing and holding on to God. In Hebrews 12, verse 35 to 38, it says, you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, then the promises come. I, I watched Neil with the patience he had when he got cancer, standing on the Word of God for week after week after week after week. He didn't just get a miracle like pop someone prayed that was all over. He actually held the Word of God around his life and persevered in faith. And in that season of persevering in faith, there's a delay when God's not showing up and doesn't seem like you're getting better, you're getting worse. And this is what, this is, the tri this is the thing that produces results. We have to hold on to God. It's a challenge to do it. Now, there are reasons dreams play. Here's number one reason. Number one reason, it's not the most important one, uh, devils interrupt our dreams. So you find that through the Bible, it tells us very clearly, demons try to obstruct things on the way. But you and I have given authority to deal with it. So demons are not a problem. Tell someone demons are not a problem. Demons are not a problem. All you've got to do is rebuke them, they then leave, and away you go and you carry on your merry way. So demons are not a problem to us. God's given us up. Then there's divine delay when God has appointed a time and nothing you do will make it faster. You just have to wait. Now, I'll show you what you've got to do when you're waiting. But you have to wait. It's not gonna do, you're not going to hurry God up. You can pray all you like, cry all you like, stream all you like, shout all you like, jump up and down, intercede all you like. You can't hurry God up. He just won't be hurried up. He just won't hurry up. I hate that part, but he won't hurry up. I've had to accept it. Hurry up! I've waited for seven years trying to get a piece of land in Danny Burke. Hurry up! You know, we had a school and they told us they had to give up the building the school was in and hand it over to someone else at the end of the year and I still had no land. Hurry up, God! Can't you see? I'm in trouble here. That's kind of the thinking that goes on in our mind. You know, we kind of get a bit distorted and think God doesn't notice you're in trouble, that God doesn't care about you're in trouble. It seems that way to you, but actually it's not true. It's just an illusion in your mind as you're starting to lose nerve. And so we got, and, and so we had delay after delay. I, kept, I did two years of uh, applications to try and get a piece of land and uh, every two months it would be delayed by some more bureaucratic red tape, had to get permission from uh, you know, the hospital board, had to get permission from the council, had to go to the Ministry of Works, had to go to the Ministry of Health, the guy who had to go to someone to value the land, then the guy died in the middle of it. It just went on and on and on and on. And, uh, and, and this went on for over a year. And of course, I'm thinking, God, help! And then the, the Baptist said, you've got to get out of the building at the end of the year. And uh, time went on. We've still got no land. Nothing's happened. And uh, you know, I've got to get out in the building in uh, January. And we've got to get a school up and a school in place. And I haven't even got a piece of land. So by about May, hurry up! Oh, hurry up! And then I have to change the plans. Because sometimes you have to change what you've got to, 
to, to take into account that God is not doing what you want the way you wanted it. So with this grand plan for a great big building, it was not to be. I have to change the plans. And so it got down to about October. <laughs> and then I changed. And when I changed, I changed in October. In November, we got the land. I was sorry it took me seven years to change. It was mostly impatience and frustration and feeling a failure and all the stuff that goes with that. It's a bad track you go down when delay goes. You know that. But you just got to come to a place where there's surrender in your life and you learn how to wait on God and hold God's promises over your situation. And I did everything. I did everything. But I know it was all a trick and it was all my attempts to make God do it in timing. And he refused. He said, because I'm interested in making you into a certain kind of person, you've got to hang in there. And so went on, 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 and on, on. We did five years with one piece of land. Went right through, right through to the Privy Council in London, and still we got turned down. And I mean, this is years of battle to get a piece of land, and then two years to battle to get another piece of land. And you know what? In, in November, I got the land. At the end of November, 31st of November, the, the, first of the 30th of November, thir- 1st of December, I had, I had bulldozers on there to get this land underway, and we got a whole team in, and we built the whole school in the space of six weeks. And it was a shock to everyone that we could ever get the thing up in such a time. No one believed we could do it. We did it, and it, was just, it just was God working through all the people, having a heart to work and to get it done. It was just astonishing how people came together. Even people from other churches came and helped us. We got this whole thing. And so I'd gone seven years without being able to solve this problem, and in two months, God got the whole thing done. I wish I'd known a bit more in those days. I didn't know too much. So divine delay. So divine delay, the purpose of divine delay is to make you a bigger person. So what are you doing when the delay is on? That is crucial. Here's the last thing is, is the, the reason that uh, dreams are delayed is because you're actually failing to do what you need to do. Now, let's face it. Uh, dreams don't come about because you dream about them. You've got to do something. And this is about faith always has action. In the kingdom of God, no one is passive. In Ma- Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, he says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Violent pressure. There's a certain measure you have to be assertive to bring things from heaven to the earth. So waiting for God doesn't mean you're doing nothing. You have need of faith and patience that after you've done something, you've got to be doing. There has to be a doing. So there are some things we're doing, and as Joshua was told, he got the promised land, wonderful. Now go in and fight and get every bit of it by the sword. How about that? And he said, not only that, I've got some enemies in there just so you can learn how to war. By the way, I want you to learn how to war. So God leaves obstacles and difficulties. You and I must arise and begin to do things. And so Joshua is told, meditate on the promises of God, speak the promises of God, hold the promises of God over your life, and begin to do what God calls you to do, and things will happen. See, the Great Commission. Great Commission is a mandate to change the world. It's still in effect, by the way. No matter what the world is looking like, the mandate to change the world is still in effect. But here's the thing. Although God's heart is to change the world, it requires we actively cooperate and participate in it. It'll never happen by itself. It actually requires we get into prayer and we engage the lost in a meaningful way, building a relationship to see them drawn. So what do you do when there's delay 
when there's a delay, you need to look at what I need to develop in my character. Do I need to develop faith? Do I need to be holding the Word of God, meditating in the Word of God, speaking the Word of God? What is it I need to be doing? Are there areas of my character I need to grow in? Or do I just need to hang in there until God does this thing? So, so no dream comes about without perseverance and without doing something. Here's the last one. I'll just cover it quickly, and that is disappointment. Disappointment's a major issue in, in dreams. And uh, I've struggled with this at times. Disappointment is when what you expected doesn't happen or what you didn't expect does happen. And you end up with a very deep grief and pain in your heart. People can disappoint us. Life circumstances can disappoint us. You may, for example, have a dream about your family. And in that dream about your family, what you, you have dreams. And when all of us have dreams about our kids, we dream about the, the first day at school. We dream about them going to high school. We dream about them uh, going out and getting a job. We dream about their careers. We dream about them having, uh, getting engaged. We dream about them having a, a wonderful wedding day and family. You dream, you have, even if you're never conscious of it, you do think about those things. And then what happens when you get a teenager who goes on to drugs and all the dreams you had just seem to die? What happens when you have a teenager and uh, they go off the rails? Perhaps they're assaulted or there's a sexual assault and now their life is broken and damaged and everything you had hoped for them is suddenly stolen away and your heart is full of grief and disappointment. What about you have a child that commits suicide and you can't understand all the dreams you have for that child are all gone. This is, this is the real world we live in. This is the things that happen. And so often dreams uh, meet with real disappointments in life. Marriage can have its disappointments. You can have disappointments in business and finance. And so life faces us with things that we didn't expect. This is part of life. I love it when everything's going well, but my reality is there are times it goes well and times of great disappointment. And if we don't deal with disappointment, it will hold us back and you lose heart for your dream. What happens is grief will cause you to lose your dream. Grief caused by discipline, cause you to lose your dream. And we don't have to hold on to that. Some of you today will have lost dreams uh, because of grief. In the Bible, in Genesis 11, Terah lost his son. And he never resolved the grief. So he walked with Abraham and he got as far until he got to a place that reminded him of the grief of a lost son. And then he just wouldn't budge. He just stayed there and never moved on. Many people in life have a dream and they get a disappointment and they get stuck and don't move on. They just lose heart and lock down. You don't have to do that. There are other choices. There are many other choices we can make when dreams fail. In 1 Samuel 30, David had a dream. Had a dream of being a king. He had many believed in that dream. And one day he was late getting home. And when he got home, his house was burned down, his wife and children taken, all his finances taken. He'd had a financial and family collapse in just one day. But not only him, all the men he led experienced the same thing. And now they lost hope because of their grief. It says they wept bitterly, then they wanted to stone David. They wanted to attack the one way, the one person could get him out of the mess. David strengthened himself in God. If you have a dream, he knew that God had spoken to him, he would be the king. He held the dream in the face of the deepest setback you could possibly face. You've lost everything that was precious to you. And in the face of that, he held the dream. It says he strengthened himself in God. What do you do to deal with disappointments? They do come to all of us. What do you do with it? If you don't do something about it, your vision will go, your dream will go. In Luke 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus were full of disappointment and grief. Their dream had gone, and notice this, they left the very place Jesus told them to stay and wait for empowerment. 
In other words, they had totally let go of their vision and dream. And as they walked to Emmaus, they saw Jesus. They didn't even recognize him. See, grief and disappointment will blind you to what God is doing. You can't see it. You actually are just, all you want to do is go back where you feel comfortable, what's familiar again. I feel God speaking to many people about that right now. Going back to what's familiar, what's comfortable, what's secure is not the answer. You have to deal with the issue. And so Jesus helped them deal with the issue. This is what he did. He talked to them and drew out their feelings of pain and disappointment and disheartenment. He drew out their dreams and what they were. And then he adjusted the dreams and adjusted their thinking and put fresh hope back in them again. So if we're faced a situation where there is disappointment, at the end of the day, the first thing you got to do is just acknowledge how deep the disappointment is. I have found because I'm quite a motivated person that often when disappointments come, I don't acknowledge them as I ought to or as quickly as I ought to, and they just sit in my heart. Then I feel the loss of energy. And eventually, I come and push into God. Then it starts to come out in the deep grief, and you actually have to let grief go. So there's a process to release grief. To think Christians don't have grief is foolish. We have it. And to, to pretend it's not there, to try and tough it out, that's not God's answer. God's answer is to take the griefs and sorrows of our heart, to acknowledge them, feel them, and just let them go. And then look at the believing, what, what thinking is in behind it. Sometimes we need to ch make some changes. So the remedy then, if there are disappointments, number one is resolution of the pain, and number two is refocusing your life again. So when Jesus faced the disciples with their disappointments, this is what he did. He helped them express it and resolve it, then put fresh vision in them, and they went back with a new life and new hope again. You could do that. I know you could do that. Sometimes you have to adjust personally. It's not going to be like you thought. And that can be grieving. Sometimes you have hopes and dreams. And then it seems that it changes, not the way you thought it would work out. You have to be willing to let go and let God change you on the inside as you deal with the grief. Sometimes you've got to change your plan. Sometimes you have to change your expectations. And maybe people here today can feel it in the spirit now. And there's been delay and you've got discouraged or there's been disappointment and you've become disheartened. God wants to help you today. He will help you. You just got to acknowledge it. Just acknowledge what's happened. If the problem is delay, go and meditate in the word of God. Get your hope back and faith back in God. God is faithful. So you begin to meditate in the promises of God, speak the promises of God, and do what you need to do to get where you need to go. If there's disappointment, take the time to get alone with God and acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the grief, and then adjust your life again around this change. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, fall upon the church. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you're here today and don't know Jesus Christ, it's a great day to receive Him. To receive Him as a friend, to receive Him as a Savior, allow His Spirit to come into your life and heart. Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you so you could actually enter into a life walking with God, free from sin, free from pressure of demonic curses, able to walk into the destiny God has for you. But it does require a decision to respond. That's you today and you want to come to Christ, give your life to Christ, please just raise your hand wherever you are. I'd love to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. Is there anyone here today? 
I wonder just while I was talking, I felt the Spirit of God start to come on the issue of discouragement and disappointment. And if that's you today, rather than just do nothing, it's not really about us praying for you. It's actually more about you making a decision to acknowledge, actually, there's been delays and I've become discouraged. I need to acknowledge it and come back and represent myself to the Lord again. Come back into a place of faith, patience, enduring and walking out the dream. If it's disappointment, I need to come and acknowledge that I'm in pain and make a decision to open the pain to the Lord, allow Him to heal me, allow Him to adjust me and to grow me and reset my focus again. If that's you today, why don't you just come out of your seat? Just come. We're not going to pray for you. Just come and lift your hands before the Lord. Say, God, I'm hearing you speak to me today. I'm just coming forward to worship you and acknowledge you are speaking into my heart. Well, just come out of your seat. Just make your way to the front. Just stand. Your hands lifted up. We're not going to pray with you or alongside you. We're just going to pray a general prayer over everyone here. But coming up is like a faith action saying, I know God's talking to me today. I got such deep disappointment. I need God to touch me within the area of disappointment. Disappointment in marriage, disappointment in children, disappointment with family, disappointment in finance, disappointment in business, disappointment in ministry of some kind. It doesn't really matter what it is. Just coming up as an act of acknowledgement, God, you are speaking to me and I will respond. See, faith always has got actions. If you believe, you'll do. If you're doing, I know you believe. Just come. Just come today. Just come and just lift our hands to the Lord. Just lift our hands to Him right now. Whatever that disappointment is, whatever that setback, whatever that delay, God is here. He loves you. He saw it coming. And He can help you. When the disciples were disappointed, Jesus talked to them. Why are you so sad? What's going on in your lives? He got them to just share it. I guess they wept as they talked about broken dreams, hopes, aspirations. And Jesus listened and walked with me. And then he spoke into their hearts. And those men rose up and literally ran back into the assignment that God had for them. And on that day of Pentecost, they were there. They were there. They were restored. The dream was back again. And this time, every one of them laid their lives down the sake of that dream. That's right. God is here today. Are there any others? Broken dream? Disappointment? Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father in heaven, you love us. You believe in us. You have thoughts towards us. You know plans that you have for us to do us good, not evil. Give us a future and a hope. But right now we acknowledge before you that through the delay of those dreams, the heart has been affected. Hope has been lost. But through difficulties and disappointment, grief and sorrow has weakened our resolve. So Father, we ask, comfort our hearts, restore our hope, restore our dreams just our lives so we're aligned with what you have for us Lord come and touch 
feel your presence here. Father, I just pray for your spirit to move and comfort people, strengthen people, strengthen us in our heart and resolve. Now, we will never give up. Now, we will hold the word of God, the promises of God, over marriage, over family, over children, over loved ones, believing to see them saved, restored, built, established, over finance and business, over areas of responsibility, over lost loved ones. Father, today we thank you for grace in our lives to resolve disappointment and grief, to stand up again and run again with the message of the gospel to run again with a dream. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Some of you standing here today, if you've got very deep grief, quite a deep pain in your heart, just feel free to stay on and just worship the Lord. You may want to just uh, process it at home, just go and take some time alone with God, some worship music, Remember what it is that you expected, what disappointed you, and just grieve before the Lord. Let the tears flow out from your heart to the one who will comfort you, strengthen you, and listen for his voice to speak fresh direction, fresh hope into your life. Father, we thank you for this body of people. Father, I pray increase enlargement. I pray a river of the Spirit of God to bring healing to our community, lives to Jesus Christ. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. have a fantastic day today tonight we'll be preaching and uh, be praying prophetically over people it's going to be a great meeting tonight do feel free to come back